friend. Somewhere only we know. Keen. Yeah. So tell me when you're gonna let me in. I'm getting told and I need somewhere to begin. So if you're in it, why don't we go to do 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 just the energy here. Full orchestra. For some reason, Keen have got like the biggest budget. <laughs> Symphony orchestra ever. Um, okay, let's do some correspondence. Yeah. George, how was your holiday? Mm. I'm back. Back from Italy. Italy. Yeah, it was nice. it was lovely. Che I loved getting little voice notes from you, and it was like, James, I'm in Florence. Ciao, and it was like the sounds of the piazza. Yeah, the foreign sirens, foreign sirens and, and the sun scooters, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was wonderful. And you know, do you ever? Um, when I go away, I make like a playlist of music. Like, cool, to, like, so get, you, but yeah, yeah okay. Well, you I, I was going to ask, is that not something you do? Um, I know. Okay. I will get in. I will come back from a trip and likely end up making a playlist. Okay. Or I'll, I'll, I'll discover a new. I'll get in the mood for a certain type of music. Okay. I won't preemptively do it. Because I was saying, I, when I went, uh, which was to Bologna in Florence, yeah. lovely. I was. Uh, I make like a little playlist. You know, obviously it's from yeah. very much a tourist side perspective, but yeah. it's just like, oh yeah, this song from this. When the moon <laughs> is <gone. laughs> like I would be lying if there wasn't a bit of Dean <laughs> yeah. Martin in there. But I was wondering. Uh, like, I also kind of do the same thing with with films as well. Like before I go away to like get me in the mood. Mm. I'll like go and like watch. I watch Call Me by Your Name again to oh, get me in the yeah. mood for Italy. And I, I and there's um, it's like a hit list. It's like a playlist, of, a visual playlist of things to get me in the mood. Mm. So I watched Call Me by Your Name. I watched uh, season two, episode two of Master of None. Have you ever watched that? Nope. Which is all set in Italy in Tuscany, and they go around, and it's nice. just like that's just short and sweet. Uh, I watched a bit of the trip, season two, yes. the trip to Italy, yeah, of course. Fantastic. And that kind of just gets me in the in the vibe and so yes. when you when I was walking around Florence and Bologna in my head I had you know Mysteries of Love by Rob, Super Steve <laughs> that's from the trip to Spain oh I'm sorry yeah. I your get your trips yeah. right um, and uh, you're not ever disappointed because you've now presented yourself with such a like idyllic romanticised version of Italy that now you're just there no, like seeing a gutter of something <laughs> in the corner no because the thing is Italy it's actually beautiful. it's just wonderful it's yeah. just wonderful and I know I'm talking as a complete tourist being like yeah. God I went to Italy it was lovely yeah. have you been so um, how's the weather in May? Lovely. Yeah. It's lovely. The food's lovely. Mm. The culture's lovely. Oh. The wine is lovely. The weather was lovely. Tell me about something you ate. Do it slowly. Oh, I ate a lovely um, tagliatelle, tagliatelle yeah. in Bologna. Yeah. That was... Um, Bolognese? So, no, no, no. It oh. was like... Um, Cooked in uh, pecorino cheese oh. and sort of seasoned with um, little bits of cured meat, like chopped up oh. finely. And uh, I had um, uh, wild boar ragu. And yeah. I also had uh, for the segundi, because I'm talking about the pasta meals, which are the premium. Yes, for the yeah. segundi, I had the uh, courgette stuffed with um, oh. like pork inside, gorgeous. Aperol here, glass of wine there, oh. sparkling water. You're just constantly having like a little bit of booze. Every oh, yeah. Few, yeah, 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 to keep me tolerable and, oh, and happy. And uh, arancini. Oh, yeah. And gelato. Arancini. Yeah. arancini. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you, <laughs> no, I'm is this when you tell me you're Italian? <laughs> no, yeah. um, and some gelato, you know, mm. proper stuff. Like I had pear. 
I had I had sorbet in Chinatown the other night, and I was like, oh, it was like after dinner, and I was like, I feel like I'm on holiday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it yeah. Like, it was a kind of warm evening, and I just eaten dinner, and I just walking around with all the other tourists yeah. with this like ice cream in a, in a little cup. That felt like, like holiday, and I was like, oh my god, try that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, look, I I know it's. Um, fundamentally looking at it all from like a tourist side mm. view, but like whatever, like I'm mm. okay. I'm, I want to walk around in my own head with the soundtrack of Call Me By Your Name on as I walk across several piazzas yeah. to palazzos. I, I watched, uh, we already discussed this, but I watched Taron Talented Mr. Ripley over Christmas. And Do you know then, what? What? Yeah, yeah. no, no. I, I was just going to say because yeah. I was it, it was, it was so relaxing and idyllic that I thought, when we found this wonderful square in, in, in Florence, and I thought any minute now, Kate Blanchett's going to come out and go, Dickie! Yeah. Dickie Greenleaf! And I'll have yeah. to be like, oh, I have to go. Dickie Greenleaf! Oh, oh my God! God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you did. You rewatched Tennis Ripley. Rewatched Tennis Ripley. And I just, you know, what, rewatching that, I'm just thinking, I'm doing my life wrong. I'm thinking I'm doing it wrong. I'm not sociopathically following someone around from school who's not actually from my school yeah. and just like hanging around there. Pretending to be the fancy home. Yeah. yeah. I just I want I want Jude Law in like a white linen shirt to just teach me about culture and take me to jazz bars, and I want Philip Seymour Hoffman to be slightly suspicious yeah. of me. That film is hot. That film is yes. really steamy. Oh. You know, what I mean, Jude like, Law in that movie. I think I think that is his peak, unless I can think of a more attractive version of Jude Law. You mean peak is in his attractiveness? attractiveness. Yeah, I, I, I think he's a very good actor, aside. but um, um, but um, very, he looks very good in the let's holiday. Let's just objectify him. Yeah, let's, yeah right yeah, now, let's just forget all his acting qualities. Let's objectify him. He is smouldering in that. It's because he has like the blonde hair and the and outfits the are very much now oh, what like modern fashion is trying to do. So oh, it's, it's yeah. kind of done a little bit of full circle mm. with the sort of you know. Vertical striped polo shirts with the loose trousers, so, and the yeah, tailored but sort of like loose fitting. Yes, there's a shot where they walk through the uh, arcade in Milan, which I can't remember the name of it, but mm. then they come out and he and obviously Matt Damon's all buttoned up and sort of like restrained. Yeah, and then but Jude Law's wearing this blue double-breasted suit, maybe linen jacket, uh, over just a T-shirt. He's got these white trousers on, I think. And he's got this fantastic hat, this mm. fantastic wide-brim hat. And he just looks so cool. And yeah. the whole thing is oh, so smoldering. I call um, uh, talented Mr. Rickme. Mr. Rickme? <laughs> I call talented Mr. Ripley, call me by Dickie's name. Right. Because yeah. it's another, like, it's a, oh, yeah, it's set in Italy in the 100%. summer. It's very smoldering, but yeah. it's suspicious. Um, I love that film. And uh, I wish I should have talked about that in the underrated films conversation because yes. that film really, it's rated. But I think people. People think I. I think people rate that as a four-star film. It's That's a kind a five of film, film I could I could watch for the rest of my life, like every three to five years, and I think yeah. appreciate it every single time again, as yes. if I'm watching it for the first time. Even though I know how it ends, it's such an enjoyable ride mm. that I think I could the, watch yeah, that the, twenty times in my life. The plot is so well written because it's P Patricia Highsmith, so it's like very like thriller based, and it's so twisty and turny that there are so many beats within the story that you easily forget that so yeah repeat viewing is really yeah. enjoyable and yeah the ending which i probably should have talked about again we could have talked about in different episodes Good but endings, when we talked about yeah. great ending the ending of the town of mr ripley is so uncomfortable and mm. and when you know it's coming as well it makes like the last third of that film really really just like you're like oh i really hope it doesn't because because it, it the whole point it. is that it doesn't it shouldn't be going down that route and it almost doesn't and yeah. then something happens in that and um 
it's so uncomfortable that ending yeah so but brilliant but brilliant um it was also great i watched it i, I showed it to my girlfriend last year and she she had no idea what it was about and it was amazing oh, seeing her reaction that's great to yeah. go in knowing nothing because in the first half she was like this is gorgeous and lovely oh my <laughs> god love and then the second half she was like mm, yeah. mm, and it is it's like makes you swoon then it makes you squirm mm. i i really can't recommend watching that enough i should have that should have been in my my mental playlist for, yeah for you rewatched it recently then didn't you? yeah last yeah, year yeah and it was uh, fantastic so uh, yeah so i'm back and i'm i'm rested and i'm you know i'm here yeah. so george let's go through some of the emails and correspondence we got this week yes thank you for getting in touch remember if you want to send us an opinion ask us a question you can write into hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com uh this first one this is from t pope hi t pope uh, hey, do either of you use Letterboxd? Would be cool to see all the movies you've seen and rated. Yes, we uh, talked about this last week. I use Letterboxd. James doesn't. Yep. We don't have a Pulp Kitchen one, but I've been using it for years personally. You can follow me at George Pulp, as in Pulp Kitchen. Just to clarify, my name isn't George Pulp, and this isn't James Kitchen. <laughs> it's just, I thought it'd be easier for people to find if it was George Pulp. This anyway. is where last week when I thought maybe people will now think your name is George Pulp, and therefore logic suggests I'm James Kitchen, which is just not, and like it would be this horrible coincidence. Yeah, I know, I know. Anyway, look, no. so um, you can follow me on there, and like I said last week, you know, my reviews, sometimes they date and sometimes they go up and sometimes they go down. Don't take it personally. It's all just, you know, judge, We're going to judge opinions, you know. Yeah. Everyone's valid. Yeah, don't get don't get het up if you're like, I only got three and a half star. Mm. <laughs> Next one is from Oscar. Hey guys, I was just wondering what are some of your favorite fight scenes in movies? One of mine that doesn't get talked about a lot has to be the fights in the first two Bridget Jones films. Really? Funny, real, and extremely British. And Hugh Grant versus Colin Firth. Come on. Love the show from Oscar. Oscar, thank you so much. That's brilliant. Before, I know you go really, but I know it's not, you know, the end scene in The Matrix. It's an effective, funny, yeah, yeah, engaging sure, fight sure. scene. So I'll, I'll give it to him. It's not one that I would ever have thought of, but fair. Uh, no, that's Although I will say, I think this, the, 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 the sequel to the first one, it kind of copies the fight from the first one. I'm like, I can't you remember the fight in the first one. I remember it, the second one. It's, it's the a famous one. It's like, right, uh, come on. Do I have to take you outside? It's like, oh, you can't be serious. And then like, they go outside and it's funny because they're like posh. Really posh. Yeah. Okay. And he does it again. He's like, right, you and me, outside. He's like, you've got to be joking. Okay. Again. And it's like... And that's when they go into the, the fountain or something, is it? I think the first one is the fountain. All oh, right. To answer your question there, best fight scenes. Um, just reading off the top of head, Matrix, obviously. Yeah, Subway scene in the Matrix because it's like amazing when he like turns uh, around and yeah. like, What's he doing? He is beginning to believe. And it's also like they are actually doing it. They've actually trained to, to fight like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the raid is in like <gasps> a, a 90 minute long uh, fight scene. The, the kitchen scene in the in the raid two yeah. is one of the most I've brutal. not seen raid two. Oh, yeah, just as good. And like the kitchen scene in particular, I think is my favorite of the raid fight scenes. Right. And that is the most brutal, violent. I want to say it's like 12 minutes long of just unrelenting violence, but it's so good. That Because so that's the same guy did... Gangs of London. Did you watch Gangs of London? No. Well, the I same don't. approach is done with with like where the fighting is choreographed to the point where it's like ballet. You know, when yes, you're it is. And, it's and like a dance. Gangs of London, I thought was a really mixed show. I think it really, really lost itself by the end. But there are some exceptional fight scenes in that. Mm. Really excellent. Um, 
God. Uh, I'd give a shout out to, for its like emotional weight, the throne room in Return of the Jedi. That, that's one of the most powerful oh, ones what, that sticks what, in my head. With, with Luke and Vader. Yeah, like when, when he finally like, is like, sister. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just the shot of the, the red and the green slashing each other yeah. and Palpatine in his chair like, <sighs> let the hate let flow. flow through. And then when he finally gets Vader and he has to use the dark side to like really use his anger uh, to take him yeah. down. Yeah, that's quite good, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I um, do all the fates, but I don't want to just all give it to all to Star Wars. No. It's kind of obvious. It's it's you've, you have put me on the spot here. Yeah, I know. Hello, I just wanted to write in and say, firstly, great show. Oh, I've thanks. been enjoying the topics you've covered so far and the tangents the conversations have taken. I just want to add my two cents to the conversation of underrated and unseen films and suggest Adam Wingard's 2011 film, You're Next. Right. In recent years, he's gone on to direct, to direct VHS 1 and 2, The Guest, and big-budget Godzilla vs. Kong. But You're Next defied my expectations and went from being, went from being just another 90-minute horror home invasion flick to a smart and sharp film where the audience roots for the protagonist who is able to demonstrate intelligence under pressure mm. plus it has a brilliant twist final act twist so go watch it if you haven't that's joe from wiltshire i haven't seen most but of now i films. know there's a twist coming <laughs> now you know there's a twist um, coming thanks joe no, no kidding but um about your next i have heard really good things about that mm. i haven't seen it i have seen the guest and look i think this might have been a, a victim of the time i saw it or whatever but that got a lot of love i really didn't connected that i thought the guest just failed to be anything even though it was trying to be a comment on like that kind of b-movie thing i felt it it wasn't it was just as you know poor quality as this b-movie stuff I, I, in my defense i saw it in an empty auditorium with just me mm. and my mum. Mm. like like we were at the background just empty and we watched this thing and it was just it just didn't work but that was like seven years ago i have this thing by the way and i and I, it's a hard rule with films mm. i think any opinion on a film is only valid for five years so whatever film it is okay. you're talking about, whatever film it is you're talking about, if you haven't seen, if it's been longer than five years since you've last seen it, then it's up for it's up for renewal. It's up for up it's for debate. Bad because oftentimes we'll say yeah, but I haven't seen it in a long time, yeah. so therefore I, I catch myself automatically doing that in a yeah, way. Exactly. Yeah. So if no, people say like, oh, um, you know, you and I talk about oh, we like, oh, Steve Jobs was really underrated, but actually I haven't seen that since 2015. Mm, so that's nearly aged. seven years ago. I, I might my opinion might have changed now. So I, I do think that. Five years is the is the limit on, a, on an opinion. Fair, fair. I'm not going to challenge that because I can't prove you wrong at the moment. A uh, quick one from Daniel, who says, also, was listening to your podcast at work today, and I have to say Chronicle is an underrated superhero oh, yeah. movie. I think, fair enough, I think Chronicle's decent. Yeah, Chronicle is decent. I remember them really just about getting away with the found footage kind of element in there. Yeah. Really pushing it. Filming, there's some scenes that are being filmed. I'm like, I don't know why that would be filmed, but I guess here we are. And that's Michael B. Jordan, Dane DeHaan, and some other guy. Some other guy, I can't remember the but name But then of. that was Josh Trank, who had so much promise, and then yeah. went on to do Fan Four Stick, yes. Fantastic Four, which was huge, huge disaster. Basically, yeah. it upturned his career. And he got kicked off. That He didn't even get to finish the film, I don't think. Josh Trank, I don't think he got to finish wow. it because it, it, was, it was that acrimonious and then he did this film called uh, capone with tom hardy which yeah. which got like slithered out very quietly mm. onto netflix during lockdown so oh, I and i don't even... i didn't get very good reviews so it's like it's always a shame you look i mean the, the one to come out of that is michael b jordan but it, i feel like it was also what year did uh, chronicle 2011? come out it was sort of t towards the time when found footage had 
blown up and you had horror doing found yeah. footage and you had lots of other things like Cloverfield yeah, and I think yeah, they yeah. were lot trying to tie in the found footage format for lots of other yeah. different styles of films and I think that's when people got a little bit tired of it and people started asking well why is this being yeah. filmed it yeah. didn't sort it's, of make it's sense it's implausible yeah. yes yeah okay. this is a good one hello from Los Angeles hey LA 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 <laughs> Love the show. City of Angels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hello from Los Angeles. Love the show. Miss the food. I made spaghetti and meatballs completely from scratch for Sunday dinner this okay. weekend. I would have loved you to try some. <laughs> While George shared his objectively wrong opinions on Spider-Man No Way Home. Alas. Uh, I wanted to provide a couple of recommendations for underrated films. The first is from 2014, and I would probably have been a much bigger hit if it came out two years later. But it fell during a weird time in his career and suffered from a now infamously terrible marketing campaign where they changed the name of the film for home release. I'm talking about Tom Cruise's Edge of Tomorrow, mm. Live, Die, Repeat. Yeah. Uh, I loved it when it came out and even had it as my favorite film of the year. But I watched it again over Christmas on TV and it is so good. Everything works. The chemistry between Tom and Emily Blunt is great. The action and the editing are top notch. And the sorely missed Bill Paxton absolutely yeah. chews through the scenery. Yeah. Definitely give it a go if you haven't seen it or if it's been a while. There's more to it, but George, on Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, we, but I, you know, you and I are both big fans of that show. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, very underrated. Yeah. Um, I, I was annoyed about the title change because Edge of Tomorrow, it, it's, it, fine. It, it's fine. It's fine. It, title. It, it means as much or as little as any other film title. And okay. Live, Die, Repeat is, is just worse. And, yeah. I, and, and now it's just annoyingly called Edge of Tomorrow or Live, Die, Repeat. That's all anyone says about yeah. that film is no one knows what to call um, it. Well, I really like, I think we've said this before in a previous episode, is that Tom Cruise is kind of useless for a lot of that yes. film. And Emily Blunt is having to like slap him into shape and be yeah. like, "Come on!" And, and um, he develops his like Tom Cruise-esque confidence as the film yes, goes on. Yeah. He does that thing where he walks into a room and I already know exactly what yeah. you're about to say because yeah, yeah. we have done this 24 times. Yeah. And it's so because Tom Cruise is so good at that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, this is the kind of Tom Cruise I like to see when he like gets really confident. Fantastic invasion scene as they're coming over the channel. Yeah, um, great moments of humor. Um, I, I will say that I think the final act was a little bit. I think it did sort of lose its excitement. And I was, I was slightly I switching know. off at the very end. It just got into this very dark underwater bit. And I was when was the last time you saw it? Oh, I want to say I'm just on the cusp of five years, but maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. There's a line in that I've always liked, which is when uh, Tom Cruise is so confused and lost and he's trying to, uh, you know, rationalize. And he, and he says to Bill Paxton's drill sergeant, he's like, sir, you're an American. And he goes... Hell no, I'm from Kentucky. I just, I always like that. Yeah, Bill Paxton, sorely missed. I, I agree with you, I've never thought about it, but when you say the editing, I, I think I agree. There are so many great ways that that deals with his death and resurgence when yeah. he dies like, <gasps> and he wakes yeah, up yeah. and back. And there's like, when he's really just like this terrified uh, like officer in the beginning and like the, the thing is the alien is like spinning towards him and he's like oh my god yeah, 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 yeah. and it's just over and you're like you're, to, you're, you're yeah. straight into it just to clarify for people who don't know it's oh, that yes. film where Tom Cruise is, is there's an invasion stuck in a time loop. Stuck, he gets stuck in a time loop where he wakes up it's Groundhog Day it's saving private Groundhog Day is what they called it yes, yeah. um, anyway uh, he also went on to say my second choice is a less underrated and more underseen film. Yeah. Virtually no one has heard of it, but it's one of my favorite movies and everyone I recommend it to love it. It's an Australian neo-Western from 2010 called Red Hill. Oh. It stars Ryan Quanton from True Blood. 
If you've ever heard of it or seen it, here's the plot summary. A police officer from Sydney arrives at his new posting in a small country town of Red Hill with his pregnant wife. On the morning of the first day, a major prison break results in the escape of Red Hill's most infamous killer, who's on his way back for revenge. The town has hours to prepare. Oh, and by the way, there's a major storm brewing and there's a panther on the loose. <laughs> Great, why not throw it at the end? And a virus and the aliens are coming too and <laughs> yeah. the volcano's about to blow. <laughs> and Sam L. Jackson is in it. Uh, trust me, it's worth your time. I'd love to know your thoughts. Um, Trevor from LA, thank you so wow, much. that's but... a lot. Yeah, thank you. I'll add that to the list. There's a, a lot to take in there. I will also recommend a late uh, gem, which is What If, starring Daniel Radcliffe and Zoe Kazan. No. Yeah, I thought no. it was good. You don't like What If? No. I thought that was good. No. Why do you like Get What out. If? What do you mean? Oh. I, will, I, I watched, I and I watched that recently, within oh, five really? years. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Man Up is much better. But what what if is... I thought that was funny. What if is so, like... It's just such a foregone conclusion. Like they, It's so contrived. It's such a foregone conclusion that they're going to be together, and it's so contrived that their interaction... And so this is the problem. This is why they're not This is why they're not big in 2022. It's just... It's like they, they really can construe this overly difficult scenario, and, and she's just creative and in a rut, but like... Ah. I don't know. I enjoyed it more than uh, a lot of the other ones that are coming out. But you don't you don't see those anymore, especially with like Adam Driver in it. Whoa. Yeah. Why don't you just tell her you love her? I just had nachos. That's the <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the clip. But uh, yeah, yeah. If if you like her, just tell her how you feel. Mm. That's not a quote, but I'm just imagining that's how Adam Driver would say it. Thank you very much for writing into the show. If you want to write into the show, do hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com. Um, sometimes we record just by the product of us filming this with jobs we record these sometimes quite late or quite early so if you send us an email it might not come out on the next episode that you receive but wait an episode and maybe it will be the one after yeah. so don't get disheartened we will try and read your your email yeah. thank you yeah so Zach wrote into the show and he said, I've just found your channel and now I'm binging all of your videos. Zach, thank you. Uh, I just watched your underrated movies episode and I really want you guys to make an underrated actors episode. Uh -huh. Zach, you're in luck. You are in luck because James and I have been talking about this a, quite a few times over the past few weeks. I think Long it was time. when we... Um, Particularly recently when we talked about Sebastian Stan yes. as like an underrated actor. And then we found out online that loads of people. Oh my God, the Sebastian Stan fans. Yeah. <laughs> are, are great, are great. And I think we got followed by four different like Sebastian Stan fan appreciation accounts who are like, love you guys, reposted our content. We, we stand for Sebastian. We do. Um, and that got us thinking about underrated actors. And I, so James and I have put a kind of list together. Mm. And I think when we talk about underrated actors, you know, those, they might be in a lot, and they might even be in big films, but it's ones who are like just not valued for what they bring or people who just don't know their names mm. and and aren't given the proper recognition. Or that maybe they, they're they like, deserve. they've been really good in lots of films and you've not seen them have that really yes. big thing that's come yes. out of them yet. Or yeah, because I've got a few which maybe you haven't heard of or maybe, I think you've heard of them, but maybe like if you're listening, you might not have heard of them. But then I've got some that you're like, oh yeah, of course, that actor who's been in loads of films yes. I know. But I'm like, I don't hear people going off about how good that singular performance was and how much yeah. it deserves recognition. And I, we know it's one thing to say to you guys, oh, this person's great. But if you're watching this, we're going to try and put up pictures of the person because how often is it when you recommend an actor and you say, oh, it's this person. They go, I don't know. And then you show them the picture. They go, oh, that guy, he's been in love. Yeah. So we're going to try and do that. You want to go first? I can go first. If yeah. You okay, so I'll go first. Mm. For me, when I think about an underrated actor, mm. it's, it's someone who's who's in a lot. And uh, I watched, you know, I told you earlier that I watched Call Me By Your Name, right? Mm. And 
the actor I'm talking about is Michael Stuhlbarg. Yeah. Right? Yes. So I think most people will know him now as the, the dad in Call Me By Your Name. Mm-hmm. Right? So I was watching with my girlfriend and she said, oh, who, who's the guy who plays the dad? And I said, oh, that's Michael Stuhlbarg. She was like, who is that? What's he been in? And I was like, Pfft. and I, he's been in a lot. A lot, but, but, but off the top not, of your head, you can't It's hard it. to do so Michael Stuhlbarg plays the dad. He's in Doctor Strange 2, by the way, I, for a scene. Yeah, and he because he's in Doctor Strange 1 as well, oh, just bizarrely, yeah. as um, wasted, completely wasted. But that's the thing, he's been in a lot. So you might recognize him if we put his face on the screen now. Yeah, yeah, we'll put, we'll put faces on the screen. But just to explain, so Michael Stuhlbarg is an actor. He's in his 50s now. He had a big history of being in theater for, for many years before he was that in comes film. Across. He, he is a clear thespian. Um, um, and... He was very celebrated and worked his way you know, up through the ranks in the theatre world in, in, in the US. And then his breakout role was being in uh, A Serious Man, which is this Coen Brothers film from 2009. And I remember at the time everyone going, who? who who's that guy? Michael, mm. Michael Stuhlbarg? Never heard of him. And from then on, he's moved into movies and he's actually been in a fair few. I'm just going to open his IMDb yeah. and I just want to read out to you some of the many films that he's been in because it'll make you realize how yeah, please frequent do. he is he's on our screen. So going from A Serious Man 2009, he's in then things like Hugo, Men in Black 3, Seven Psychopaths, Lincoln, Hitchcock, yeah. Blue Jasmine, Boardwalk Empire, Steve Jobs, Trumbo, Arrival, Doctor Strange, Call Me By Your Name, The Shape of Water, The Post, The Looming Tower, um, and Dopesick, which I've just finished. And Oh, him and Dopesick is great. I want to eradicate uh, breakthrough pain and cure people's feelings. I present to you the 80 milligram pill. Keep pushing the doctors harder (laughs) on the 80 milligram. And what do we know? about Germany. <laughs> anyway, so that is an extract. That's of... really good, but I don't think people are going to well, know this is that. Because I just finished watching Dope Sick, which is, it, as a sign, is one of the best TV really shows good. I've seen yeah. in, in, in a long time, which is about the opioid and Oxycontin epidemic in America. And Michael Stuhlbarg plays uh, Richard Sackler, who is the, was then like the head of Purdue Pharma and pioneered Oxycontin and was very instrumental in getting this thing out across the US. And this show, by the way, is a whole collection of like underrated and stellar actors. So you've got yeah. rated actors in there like Michael Keaton, fantastic in this, and so Rosario good. Dawson. But then you also have actors like- Will Poulter. Uh, Will Poulter, Peter Sarsgaard, who yeah. just turns up in a lot of stuff, um, Caitlin Dever. Um, and, and also a new actor I'd never seen before called John Hoganacker, who's just really good in this. He works with Peter Sarsgaard in it. He's the oh, guy right. who talks, uh, oh, we got to get the Sacklers to flip. And yes, yeah, yeah. Anyway. So I was watching this and I was thinking, Michael Stuhlbarg is doing great. He's doing mm. great at being villainous Very as, villain. Very as Richard Sackler, but still grounded enough. Um, Michael Stuhlbarg is good in Dope Sick as being villainous as Richard Sackler, but, but still grounded enough to be believable and understandable because yeah. they do add dimensions to his character. And it really made me think I'd seen this guy in a lot. So in Shape of Water, he is like the professor, you know, the, the foreign professor who like tries to actually help the being, you haven't seen it, have you? No. I could tell, no. I, I'm starting to learn when you haven't, haven't seen films from your well, reaction. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna lie yeah, and be no, like, no, yeah, yeah, well, no, like, I haven't seen it, but I'm still listening. The water, yeah. the shapes, yeah. Um, but what I like about him is that he is able to sort of occupy these very uh, everyman type roles figures of authority um, and in a sort of seamless way that when he walks on screen, I both think, yes, that's Michael Stuhlbarg. But mm. I also think, yeah, he fits. Every time he walks on screen, he, I go, that, he perfectly fits within this world. 
it's so interesting you reading off that list of films mm. which are like there's so many great mm. films in there but i think as much as i was one of those people that i had seen so many times but couldn't tell you what the name of that person was it was the the moments in call me by your name which made me go what's that what's that actor's name he's yeah. fantastic in this and mm. it's not because he's singing dancing screaming shouting around yeah. it's like how 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 little and how subtle he, well, yeah. what the subtlety adds to that performance is what's so excellent about it, like mm. the knowing looks and the understanding and the way he's just like this bookish little at rest old yeah. professor who has people come and stay. I was like, it's so well done. I think you can see in that speech he does to with Timothy Chalamet at the end of Coming By Your Name, yeah. you can see the th- theatre roots. You can see oh, the true yeah. actor actorly touch. But, yeah. uh, but whereas The Shape of Water, which is much more uh, sort of heightened and melodramatic and genre territory he fits in that seamlessly as well. And then, you know, I haven't seen Men in Black 3, but I've seen clips of it on a plane. Don't ask me how. Yeah. And he's playing a wacky character in that. He just seems to fit. He's a proper actor, a mm. proper character actor as well. I, I, will, I will always be more interested when he is in, is in films. Mark Rylance is another actor, not underrated at all, but he's yeah, another rated, actor very who got pulled for many years from like yes. the bosom of the theater into film and yeah. spielberg famously has been trying to cast mark rylance in his mm. films for years and mark rylance is like no i'm doing richard ii mm. at the globe and because he's just yeah. like i am a shakespearean yeah. actor he's one of the finest there ever is but nobody over 10 years ago i'd say was talking about him in the way they do now yeah he had his like there was a moment i think it was in 2011 where he was in a play called jerusalem which was like the like standout show yeah, I never I saw, and it was like a, a blockbuster, just like a huge thing. And it was that was the point where people just said like Mark Ryan is like one of the greatest actors of our time. Yeah, and I think from then there was a lot of pressure for him to be in, in films. films. And Spielberg did eventually get him. For yes, a lot of things, yes. But but although the first film he was in in the sort of new era of Mark Rylance, let me think of it was The Gunman with Sean Penn. I remember people being like, Mark Rylance? It was like Sean Penn, um, Javier Bardem, uh, Josh Brolin, and Mark Rylance. People were like, really? Uh, And then he was in the Spielberg, you know, Bridge of Spies. And and he won an Oscar. Yeah, Yeah. and now he's a regular. BFG. Yeah, BFG. Um, So he's a regular staple now. But Michael Stuhlbarg, when I see him, I think I'm in a a safe pair of hands here. I wish more people knew his name. But, But do you think there is an argument that Michael Stuhlbarg has it perfect because he's in loads of big stuff is well-respected, but could probably walk down the street without getting hassled. Yes. So he's probably probably got a good level of fame where some people stop him and say, I love your work, it's fantastic, but he he can probably still function without suffocating himself. I agree. Anyway, Michael Stuhlbarg, great actor. Anyway, James, what have you got? I'm going to do a quick one because I've already talked about this person and then then one. So my, my quick one is... Renata Rainsvay from Worst Person in the World, yes. who I already went on. I, I reviewed Worst mm. Person in the World. I thought it was amazing. She is incredible and is undoubtedly, I feel bad now because mm. she's just getting rated now. Mm. Um, and I think she's now in her early 30s and has been working for a long time, but this film has very much like catapulted yes. her onto the big stage. Fantastic performance in that film, fantastic film. She's well, going to be huge. Well, I know Worst Person in the World is a Norwegian film, yes. right? but it reminds me that in Phantom Thread, you have the Danish actress Vicky Creeps yes. playing the, his muse, playing yeah. Alma. Fantastic. And mm. a fantastic and hasn't really come through in a lot of other stuff. Um, I think she's in a, like that M. Night Shyamalan film that came out last year called Old. Right. But, okay. but I'm yes, like, yeah, yeah. when I saw Phantom Thread, I was like, she's she brilliant. should be in everything. Yes. Like the new Alicia Vikander. Like she just really like, interesting characterful space. Oh, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah, I mean, no. like, it just 
a lot to say. Excellent. So I, 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 I want Vicky Cripps back. Please have yeah. her in more. So Ren- Renata yeah. Rainsve, I think now I've, I've already said, but she's you know, you're going to be hearing a lot from her, I think, in the next few years. But um, okay, who should I go for? I'm going to go for Jack Raynor. Do you know Jack Raynor? Yes. He yes. did a film which I think really put him on the map called What Richard Did. I want to say in 2013 or 14, and that was a performance where I was like, oh my god, this guy is fantastic. What Richard did is in uh, it's like an it's an Irish film about this uh, group of kids who were all just about to finish school and this uh, this this conflict happens and a boy dies and it deals with the fallout of what that means within this within this social group and what it means to like tell your family about what happened. I don't actually want to say any more, but yeah. the, the the acting and the writing in that film was particularly grounded and real, and it re- you really felt like you were dipping into this small uh, Irish community. And Jack Rayner's performance, particularly in it, is one of um, it's one of the most like haunting and, and realistic performances yeah. I've ever seen. And I thought um, when I watched Paul Mescal in Normal People that story and that performance reminds me a lot of what Richard did. Well, you know that's completely fitting because it's one d- of yours. Is... B- no, it's directed by Lenny Abramson who did oh, both. Well, that you makes didn't know so that. Much. No, I didn't know that So Lenny Abramson so directed what Richard did and oh, he directed fantastic. more people. When you were saying that about like, oh, it's this you know, Irish group of friends, you that can see 100%. in normal people that there's the seed of that from um, what Richard did. Yeah, as you're saying, it kind of, there's an act and, the, and it very much deals with the consequences of a particular act. Yeah. Um, and his father is Lars Mikkelsen yes. as well. Kind of underrated as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, and sorry, I was, I was just going to say that no, people will see Jack Rayner. It, it works straight away. See, he was in this tiny indie film, as you said, what Richard yeah. did. And then Michael Bay was like, he's I want in, you in the next Transformers. Transformers so really. he, he was in the next Transformers film in 2014. But he also he, did, he was in Midsummer as in well. In Midsummer, and, and he's also in uh, Detroit. 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 was really good in Detroit, Catherine Bigelow's film. Underrated and, film. And I, I also think an underrated and underseen yeah. film. Um, but he's also really good in it. He's a smaller role, but they, that, that film's such an intense lock in where yeah. like the, the characters in that are just reaching this fever pitch boiling point and he does a he does a really really good job in it and I think he could be I think he can be a, he can be a main main man yes I think he's got the sort of star quality that I think Chris Pratt has that people didn't think mm. that he had yeah. and I think maybe the Transformers was not always the best yeah. step but I think if Jack Rayner's in a film I'm always gonna be like oh I like him Jack Rayner's good I, I totally agree he's in Detroit with Will Poulter and was in with him again yes. in, in uh, Midsummer. And I know they're yes. like very yeah. good friends, apparently. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. I think Jack Rayner even uh, directed a film and maybe Will Poulter was in it. But I, you know, I want to see him in, in more stuff. He, he is really fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And yet, when you said about like the way that Paul Meskel is kind of filmed in Normal People, mm-hmm. there's, there's definitely that in... Um, in what Richard did, an underrated, not, maybe not underrated, but underseen. It was yeah. very much rated when it came I think out. It, I think it was rated a lot when it came out for the, I mean, a couple of years mm. people were catching onto it, but I think it's, I think a lot of people have forgotten about that film and yeah. I think I'd be happy to rewatch it. And I think it still would hold up today. I've not seen it in the last five years. Yeah. So how can I know what I like? No, of it? course. But well, definitely go seek out what Richard did if you're looking for an interesting film. And then Lenny Abramson went on from that to do Room, which uh, which was his next, so it's a big, bigger project. Um, okay, great. So Jack Rayner, I will follow that with... Okay, there is another actor who I've loved for a long time. And he, he is in big stuff now. And I do think people are starting to know his name. That's an Australian actor called Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. Right, so Ben Mendelsohn has, in recent years, become known for being the big villain in uh, a lot one. of... Uh, in, in Rogue One, in Ready Player One, yeah. and in like that Robin Hood remake they did with Taron Egerton. God, He's yeah. an Australian actor, and in a way, he's almost... There was that point where he was like, is he the new Hugo Weaving? Just uh, becoming the next big bad yeah. and all the sci-fi stuff. But let's take Matt it back Nicholson. a little bit. 
he uh, came, he'd been, you know, acting around for ages. And then he broke through in this film from 2010, this Australian film called Animal Kingdom. Have you seen it? No. Really good, quite hard hitting film about the, a crime family in Australia, which is this crime family that's basically in its dying days. They are, the, the police are on them. I, uh, uh, I know, they're under intense scrutiny. It's got Joel Edgerton, another actor I think is fantastic. Oh, yeah. I think Joel Edgerton is rated. He's so pretty rated. But, yeah. it, but fantastic in it. It's got Guy Pearce. We don't have like a direct metric for this. It's just no, I know, I know. Feeling, but, um, yeah. uh, and it's also got Guy Pearce and um, Jackie Weaver, I think is where she, she kind of broke through from. Anyway, so you have this, this family in Animal Kingdom and you've got these three brothers. You've got Joel Edgerton, who's kind of the older brother, who's, very level-headed and grounded and kind of running this crime family. You've got the matriarch, Jackie Weaver, who's very sort of overbearing, but loves her boys. Yeah. You've kind of got the idiot brother called, uh, played by Sullivan Stapleton, who's just sort of a bit aloof. And then you've got like the, the black sheep who is Ben Mendelsohn's character who spent time inside and is really the wild card and people don't like him being around. And the whole film begins with, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but there's like a cousin. I think it might be the sister of these brothers has, has died of a drug overdose and this 17 year old is left like homeless. So she goes and he goes and lives with the crime family and he's quickly like sucked into this world. Um, and Ben Mendelsohn is playing this really captivating, but really horrible um, villainous character. Sorry, a fly just flew oh, in. Yeah, Go yeah, away. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's Ben Mendelsohn in form, <laughs> in insect form. Yeah. And Ben Mendelsohn plays this really captivating uh, uh, evil villainous creepy uh, family member and um he's fantastic at it. and that then kind of launched made him aware to international audiences so he mm. was quickly after that in the dark knight rises yes he plays this sort of he's the guy's like does it look like i'm running wayne enterprises yeah. right now and you know bane puts the hand on his shoulder do you feel in control yes right yeah. um and then he was in uh, a couple of other indie films. He was in Killing Them Softly, and he was yeah. in uh, The Place, Place Beyond the Pines. Pines. That was when he was doing those like crime, greasy hair, yeah. dirty guy. Still Australian. Under the fingernails. Yeah. And, and he was like, he'll always be there. Oh, well, if you want, <sighs> you want to yeah. do this, then fine. And, yeah. Um, and then uh, eventually make it up to Rogue One. But what I like is that, so he's clearly followed the, the villainous template. He did break away. He played the... Uh, King George in Darkest Hour. But what I like is that having followed this villainous trajectory, he returns to being uh, in a completely different form in this film called Baby Teeth, which is an Australian film. So he like, comes back to Australia 10 years later. This film called Baby Teeth, which has got Eliza Scanlon in, who was one of the other sisters in Little Women, who wasn't Emma Watson or Forrest yes. Pugh or Saoirse Ronan. And it's, it's basically she's got terminal illness and he's the father. And um, he is wonderful in it because he's not villainous at all. He's plays a doctor. I think he's like just really struggling and he's quite funny in it and really heartbreaking and, and, and warming. And when I saw that, I thought, you are a really complete actor. I love watch. I love just watching you on screen, like yeah. just seeing his face and he has good humor. Um, and he's also in this film called Mississippi Grind, which is, is fairly good. He plays a, a gambling addict with Ryan Reynolds. He's, got, he's quite sad. He's got this gambling addiction. There's something really in there, a really sort of hot and um, sparky about watching Ben Mendelsohn. So whenever he's on screen, I like him. Do you like Place Beyond the Pines? Do you know what? I haven't I seen, seen it. it. I have seen it two or three times. And even though I thought it was flawed, I do remember quite admiring its ambition yeah. for trying to be this sort of Greek tragedy, three-act structure, three yeah. kind of 
you know, when that thing happens, yeah. which is sort of halfway through and it makes that shift yeah. and you go, oh, I'm watching a different film now. Yeah. I thought that was kind of bold. And it was the first film that I remember thinking, this Bradley Cooper guy is actually pretty good, it's actually. When he, started, he made an active decision you can tell to do interesting different roles yeah. and not go down that thing. Yeah, I think it's a very beautiful film. Mm. But I, I think it's ever so slightly underrated. Um, you done? Mm-hmm. Lovely. Um, I'll do, I'll do just another quick one because this is a person we've mentioned ad nauseum who's a very well-established, successful actor, but it's Michael Shannon. Mm. I still think, even though he has been in many nominated films and many huge blockbuster films, that guy has a quality that no one else has. Yeah. And there's a specific performance of mine, which is his favorite, which is for when we already talked about before the other week, which is Revolutionary Road. And he plays a character. Have you seen Revolutionary no, Road? I no, haven't you been. haven't. Oh, you should. So he plays a, in this in this film where no one tells the truth and everyone's lying and tried to put up this pretense that everything's okay and it's very like 1950s we all must be good he plays a character who's it's sort of implied that he has like a sort of asperger's condition and he's a sort of this crazy kooky guy who doesn't really work but he's an he's an old he's an older man who lives lives with his parents and he comes into um you know uh, Leo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet's life and he, his his part of his character is that he can only tell the truth huh. he's incapable of lying and not saying exactly what he feels and his entire performance just cuts through the whole film and it forces tension on everyone else in that movie and it's so so good um and he's obviously good in everything but i just wanted to highlight that specific performance which i don't hear people talk about enough in michael shannon i think it's one of his best i agree i just want to jump in as well because yes he is oscar nominated and he is he is rated as an actor but i do think that people are still the casual film viewer is not aware of Michael Shannon. Yeah. And he um, he's really good in a film called Nocturnal Animals as well. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, with the, as the, as the detective. I wish Tom Ford would do more films. Yeah, yeah. I just think... Um, I just think Tom Ford has such a unique and very floaty and arty yeah. way of telling a story. And I, I thought Nocturnal Animals was, was brilliant. Yeah. Haunting and, and very yeah. overindulgent. Uh, and completely and melodramatic. Great score. Fantastic. Really good score. Yeah. Uh, um, and I, I think Michael Shannon's great in that. Aaron Taylor Johnson, I think, is one of my favorite performances I've seen, I've mm-hmm. seen him. Uh, it's just a really haunting, burns into the back of your retinas yeah. style, style film. Um, but yeah, Michael Shannon, uh, Michael uh, Shannon. great. Um, one I wanted to mention who I think is underrated is Janelle Monet, who obviously right. was in Moonlight, which won the Oscar for Best Picture, yes. but I don't hear enough people talking about Janelle Monet, and I think she's been really good in the few acting performances she's done. Mm. She was in Moonlight, and she was in a film called Hidden Figures, which mm-hmm. wasn't amazing, but that was the one about the, uh, uh, it focused on the stories of three black women who were involved in getting the first US NASA spaceship into orbit. Yes. Um, they were the math- I mathematicians, she, I think. Yeah, yeah they were mathematicians. Uh, Started Kevin Costner and yeah. Jim Parsons. And I think I think she's really good. She has a really distinct warmth uh, to, to her performances that she brings, and yeah. she she's excellent in Moonlight. And it's one of those people I always look out for, and yeah. I want to see her do more. And I think she's really underrated. She had that. She had a film come out, I think, during lockdown. I don't know if it actually got released in the UK called uh, Antebellum, which was like a kind of Jordan Peele light kind yeah. of thing directed by Scott Cooper and I yeah. don't know if it got very good reviews fine um, and then of course um, she was in that TV series Homecoming she did that for second season of that for right. the guy did Mr. Robot again I'm not seeing either but yeah it's I like it like with Justin Timberlake, I like it when musicians can go over and be actors and you're like could you do more uh, yeah. you're really you're a really good presence really good yeah I'll do a quick corner because I, there's an actress I really love who I think is now rated because she was in a role last year that brought her to everyone's attention. Everyone mm-hmm. went, oh yeah, she's great. And that's Catherine Hahn. So Catherine yeah. Hahn, 
has got one of those faces you'll go, I've seen her in loads. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's in Bad Moms. She's in like stuff as far back as- She's in Revolutionary um, Road as well. Oh, is, is she actually? Brilliant in that film. Okay, and she's in stuff as far back as um, the first Anchorman, right? Yeah. Anyway, so- uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. She's also brilliant well, this in that. Is, she's just in roles all the time. Yeah. Anyway, One Division. Um, okay, yeah, this. Yeah. I'm Sorry, getting there, I'm James. Yeah, yeah. So she was in One Division last last uh, year and w- was brilliant. That played a very significant character, and kind of people then said, "Oh wow, Catherine Hart, she's really amazing." I want to give her a shout out because she was in a film called Private Life, which I could have talked about in the underrated uh, episode, which I, and I should have done. There seems yeah. to be a correlation, obviously, between <laughs> underrated films and underrated actors. Because if the yes. film is underrated, then the Talk- actors don't get enough exposure, so they're not in big enough yes. films, right? Yeah. But Private Life is this criminal underrated film on on Netflix, which better, it suffers from a really bad poster, but it's got it's her and Paul Giamatti as a couple in their forties trying to conceive and have I a child. You're telling me about this, yeah. and I need to go and see it's it. It's just absolutely lovely, really funny, and really like beautiful and profound and sad and tragic and just oh, so so many things. And I remember thinking, this I love actors who can just do comedy and tragedy. She's just so, so versatile. Yeah, and in Bad Mums, she's very funny as well. So. Catherine Hahn, huge shout out. But um, I wonder if this is too much, if you're, you're going to say this actor is rated. Tony Collette. Yeah, uh, in so many ways, very rated. Yes. And I think especially if you'd asked me six years ago, so I'd be like, oh, so underrated. But I think now, especially, she's been starting to get really yeah. rated. But she's definitely on, on the cusp. I, I do think that... Often when people talk about like great actresses, you know, they're like Viola Davis and Kate Blanchett and Julianne Moore and even like Nicole Kidman. Meryl Streep. Of course, Meryl Streep. But I'm like, where is Tony Collette? Collette? Mm. Because- um, Again, has been around for a long time. She's been in loads of different roles. If you want to look at Tony Collette's versatility, you go from something like Muriel's Wedding, which is what she started in, playing this kind of like cute, but kind of like strange, insecure character, to then um, being in loads of films throughout. About a boy. Yeah, about, about a boy. Yeah, just, uh, like a Little recently, Miss Sunshine. Knives Out, Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then, but the, the films that really stand out is Hereditary, where her performance yes. is incredible and so, so haunting good. and so troubled. But there's, um, there's this film that came out in 2020, the Charlie Kaufman film, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Not a film I actually really liked, but her performance in that, where she basically, it's about a couple who go back to the, the boyfriend's parents' house. And it's like a psychodrama. Yeah. And basically the, the parents, her and David Thewlis as well. David Thewlis was oh, just incredibly Thewlis, creepy. So yeah. David Thewlis. Um, they keep changing, basically. They, they, sometimes they play younger versions of themselves, sometimes they play older. So Tony Collette's character is changing the entire time, a bit like she did in this TV series called United States of Tara, I think, where she played okay. someone with multiple personality disorder. And um, you see her versatility in that. And I'm like, she's great. And she can do funny. She can do, for that's the yeah. key a lot of the times. If she can do funny, uh, if they people can do funny, then yes. uh, that's it. So uh, yes, I can see that Tony Collette is rated. You do feel now. like if you just were a filmmaker and you got told, well, we need to put Tony Collette in a role. I feel like I could put her anywhere and she yes. would be more than yes. good. <laughs> like probably great. Yeah. She can she can dial it down or she can dial it up. So like in Knives yeah. Out, she kind of like just plays this sort of one dimensional character, you know, the, the kind of bitchy yeah, 100%. Um, sister. But. but I think we're probably late to the party on, on calling her underrated. But, but I just wanted to celebrate her celebrate anyway. Her anyway, yeah. Um, okay, I've got one for you. John Carroll Lynch. Oh, what a another, guy. It seems to be a theme of actors that we've seen in for such a long time. Um, and... 
you might not know him by his name, but I'll, I'll put a picture yeah. up of John Carroll Lynch. I promise you, you recognize yeah. John Carroll Lynch. He's this bald white guy, like very unassuming, yeah. not like a Hollywood, like good looking actor, yeah. but always delivers in everything you put him in. Like he's, he's in films like Zodiac, The, the Founder, yeah, most the recently. Founder. He's in a film with Kristen Stewart about Guantanamo Bay. What's it called? Camp X-Ray. Never seen it, Camp you X-Ray. love it. Camp X-Ray. I like Camp X-Ray. I thought that was a really yeah. solid um, like short film. I think Kristen Stewart, it was like when Kristen Stewart was starting to get real recognition for her work. And he plays this, like one of the chief officers mm. in that film. And he only has a couple of scenes, yeah. but he finds a way every single time, he does this in his other films, to just cut through dialogue. He's mm. like, do you like it here? in Guantanamo Bay. Mm. And every time he talks, I'm always listening. I've always He's always got my attention. And I think he's underrated because he does what a really good actor should, which, which is that he should just disappear into the role yeah. and he should blend into the walls. And that's often the parts he gets, but I think that's for a reason. I think it's because he's really good. Uh, but what we're basically talking about is the typical character actor yes. who is not a leading man, who is there to be... No. As, Never as been a leading man, as far um, as I'm versatile, aware. Versatile, you know, in all those things. I... John Carroll Lynch was on my long list and he's yeah. been that guy for ages who I didn't know the name of but yeah. I saw him everywhere he um, was Does very good as well yeah he was very good in The Walking Dead actually he had, a rec- he had right. I think it might have only been for one episode but he, was a, he had a huge part in this one episode in a flashback and he was incredibly warm in it and equally in The Founder he's quite soft and polite and gentile and yeah. he's got this middle America look about yes. him that is just you know you could put him in like an American gothic painting you know with a pitchfork or towing he, he just looks like the guy who does immigration at jfk yeah or just the like, guy who like maybe runs the hardware store downtown yes, yeah like yes. he's just he's <laughs> yeah. just got that look wearing uh, dirty overalls yeah perhaps, wiping his hands or like a police jacket or just and he could play he could yeah. play anything and he just has that and I, I, it sounds bad but just that ordinary look mm. which is kind of sometimes what you want you don't want someone to look you don't want it to be like a tom ford film where everyone's yeah, like wearing yeah, designer sexy, with yeah. sexy hair done up but do you know um, yeah. he, it's funny how the, you, you're reminding me of other actors that are like maybe are on my long list, but yeah. there's another actor who I think is, basically if John Carroll Lynch is busy, they call this guy or vice versa. And that's a guy called Bill Camp. You, you, Bill Camp. You, do you want me to wait until you see Hold the on. picture? Yes, Bill Camp. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bill Camp, same thing as John Carroll Lynch, looks very um, everyday American. And he's been in loads of, he was in... Um, uh, Joker as one of the policemen. He was in the Queen's Gambit as the the custodian that teaches her how to play chess. Yeah, and he is just got uh, on. He's in so much as that like small but significant character, you know, in, in things that I go. And every time I see him, I'm like, oh, Bill Camp again. Yeah, uh, he's in Dark Waters, a very good, very criminally underrated film. And um, yeah, I just so you just reminded me uh, of him. I mean, just quickly, it's oh, one you, that we you, both you. love. Short Paul Giamatti. We, we, we uh, you and see, I both love Paul. I Giamatti. think he's rated. He I, is it's the same reason why I didn't include Stanley Tucci. Yeah, fine. we're talking. Those are those are actors who have gone from character actors to leading actors and have had have the, had the praise to follow them. I sure. I don't think those guys are underrated. I just think they're good in everything. They are. Yeah. <laughs> this is, we, we need to do good in everything because yeah, it's different to it's underrated. It's very different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, Stay tuned for good in everything. So I'd like to give a shout out to an actor who I, admit I haven't seen in a lot, but it's cropping up in a lot of things now called Brian Tyree Henry. Okay. Brian Ty- what's he in? Yeah. What's okay. He in? Brian Tyree Henry is most famous for being in Atlanta, the Donald Glover show, right? As the rapper Paperboy. But right. he's since subsequently been in Joker. He was in like Godzilla versus Kong, I think. Okay. Um, and, uh, but the reason I mentioned him, and he was in Eternals as well, actually, as one of the Eternals. Right, okay. 
and, and you know, he plays as yes, well. Yes, he's, he's always very interesting. But for me, um, he is in a standout scene. And I'd like to do another episode in the future about standout, standout scenes, scenes. But he's in a standout scene in If, if Beale Street Could Talk. Oh, a film, have you seen? That. No. Very highly rated, yeah. but actually kind of under un, underlooked, yeah. uh, underwatched and under... Overlooked. Excuse me. <laughs> a film that was overlooked and undervalued, I think. It, it really, it was, you know, it was Barry Jenkins' follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was Barry Jenkins' uh, yeah. follow-up to Moonlight and it really just didn't get the traction, which is a, which is saying, because in many think ways- think it would, but- You know, if Bill Street could talk is this kind of sprawling love story across Manhattan, which has very much an ensemble cast and you pick up the stories here and characters come in there and you'll have like Pedro Pascal comes in for one scene yeah. and Ed Screen comes in for another scene and Dave Franco comes in for one scene. That's, and that's it. Yeah. And Brian Tyree Henry comes in for this one scene. His scene, despite the sort of sprawlingness of the film, it comes down to him at this table uh, with the uh, the main male character with this naked light bulb hanging out, hanging over. And I think Brian Tyree Henry's character has just got out of prison and they're talking and it's incredibly close and intimate the conversation. Yeah. And really the subtext that's been boiling away under the entire film comes out in this scene and it's so well directed. And I don't want to give away what it, what, what it is, but uh, like t- he delivers this line at one point, which just like, it made me realize this country really hates us. And and it's just, it's so great. And in that scene, I was like, wow, he has owned that scene. That he, yeah. and, and then really his character walks away and it's not, it's not really in it again. And from, from then on, I've always been like, whenever I see him, I'm like, Brian, Brian Tyree Henry, uh, yeah. That will happen. A scene will just make you think, I'm never going to forget that actor ever again. Because yeah. it's given to this actor to be, it's like a gift really to say, this is your moment. And, 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 he, and he plays it so well. So Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, I would like to give a shout out to an actress that, I would love to see him more, which is uh, a Spanish actress called Laia Costa or Leia Costa. Ooh. She was in. Name sounds familiar. Yeah, you keep talking. You sure? Yeah, yeah. About, do you want me to wait for you? No, no, you can go. Well, now you have to. Of course, no, don't know her. Don't know her. So Laia Costa, she came to international recognition for being in uh, Victoria, which when we talked about Boiling Point, I mentioned uh, as being one of those real one take films. It's, yeah. it's nearly three hours long and it's it genuinely one take, not cut to make it look like one take. Really? Okay. Um, and it sort of follows, uh, she plays this, just a woman who's out having a good time in Berlin one time mm. and she sort of meets these guys and for the first like half an hour, it's it could be an indie, like, you know, happy, even a, a romance story and then it becomes a thriller and you have this really fantastic film. Great film and more people need to see it. I don't want to say it's underrated because it is very much rated but yeah. people, more people need to see that. She's also in this film, though, that I do think is underrated, or rather not enough people saw again, called Only You with Josh O'Connor. Is it Josh O'Connor? No, Josh Connor. No, from The Crown. The Crown. What is it? Josh, Josh O'Connor. It is Josh O'Connor, yeah. isn't it? Right. Um, and uh, basically, she plays uh, a single woman in Glasgow uh, who's 36, and she meets, starts a relationship with Josh O'Connor, who's like 27, I think. Okay. And they don't know each other's age when they meet. They, they have a very sort of... But basically, they, they start this relationship and it's lovely. But the age difference is, is a particular source of conflict when it comes to the idea of having children. And honestly, Only You is a beautiful, wonderful... Mark Como said it was his favourite film of that year, right? 2019. Right. And I watched it during the pandemic and I thought it was absolutely wonderful. And the performances between them are fantastic. We know Josh O'Connor is a great actor. Yeah. We've seen him in enough now to know that. And Laia Costa just brings such beautiful... And there's some arguments, some really like raw emotional scenes in it that 
I just think she's brilliant and I just want her to be in more. Interesting. I will check that out. Um, and also, I've just remembered, back to when I mentioned Ben Mendelsohn, when I said Josh O'Connor there, I also thought of Jack O'Connell, yes. who is rated as an yep. actor, but he reminded me that he's in a film with Ben Mendelsohn called Starred Up from 2013, Ooh. set in a prison where yes. Ben Mendelsohn plays his father. Have you seen it? I've seen Starred Up. Yeah. yeah. And that's also a very good film. About it, good yeah, film. I've seen that. Very good. Uh, anyway, so Lyra Costa is someone I would, I would love to see him more. And this is an actor who is definitely rated, but he's the king of the underrated actor, and it's Andy Serkis. But he oh, is yeah. so he's yeah. been called underrated for decades because of I think of the the format which he has now pioneered, which is motion capture. Yeah, okay. And I think even though so many of his performances have become like caricatured in pop culture, you can still look at the modern work he's done with like I don't think those new Planet of the Apes films would be anything without Andy Serkis no. giving giving that raw performance. And yes, like the, te the technology is fantastic, mm. but I, I still think Andy Serkis is incredible. And when the, um, when the first Hobbit film came out, they knew what the best scene was, and it was the scene with Bilbo and Gollum in the, in the Misty Mountain Caves. And they gave it, it was like a 15-minute theatre piece in that mm. film. Because they stretched it out over three films, which yeah. they never should have done, it meant that that scene... They literally did it word for word in yeah. the book and it plays out like theater. And it was the first um, scene they shot for that entire trilogy because I watched the behind the scenes and, and Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis talk about the process of how they rehearsed for it. And they said, we rehearsed it like theater. We would do 20 minute blocks at a time just going through. And I loved seeing the performances where they put on screen of Andy Serkis in the monkey suit and then Andy Serkis with the digital everything with yeah. Gollum and just seeing the side by side and everything he's doing to emote in that character which he's become known for but yeah. still is like the OG Gollum yeah, and everything yeah. and I just think it, what he manages to do in that scene which is the best scene and I, I, one of the best scenes in Lord of the Rings I think is fantastic wow. I mean, he's king of underrated I, I, I agree with you I've got look, just to tie this back to how, what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode mm. Matt Damon right Matt Damon, yeah. is in many ways and fitfully a rated actor. He is. No, don't go, I'm not, many, I am yeah. not for one second claiming that Matt Damon is underrated. He yeah. is rated. He's still a very bankable movie star. Established. Established rated, name. Celebrated. You know, celebrated. But earlier in the episode, we were talking about talented Mr. Ripley, yeah. right? Where he delivers a fantastic performance. Yes. And when I saw that recently, when I rewatched it, I thought, oh, is Matt Damon just known as being a good actor? But mm. I'm not sure if people think of Matt Damon as a great actor, like a thespian, like like a sure. proper actor, actor. I think they see him as like a movie star, like he's bankable, he's solid. But is Matt, mm. I, I, I think actually when you see it come through in terms of Mr. Ripley, always when he's playing a villain, we talked about this before, but like mm. Departed, Interstellar even. Last Jewel. Last Jewel. You, you know, there are times I think Matt Damon is actually a great actor. When he's given bit something a bit more complex, he thrives. Yeah, he. Re thrives, I, mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, you've got Goodwill Hunting. I'm sure when I'm. I mean, give it. Uh, it, it I see what you mean, but, but, it, but it is kind of known. It yeah. is kind of known. But do you understand? Like, it's a. Very, I'm, I'm splitting hairs, but it's like I feel like the established consensus is Matt Damon. He's good. But I'm like, no, Matt Damon. He's great. He's great. Yeah. Could you say the exact same thing about Ben Affleck? I think that's. I think that's, um, you're, it's slightly more accurate with Ben Affleck because yeah. I think there's, there's more more to debate there. I know there are some people who think oh, no, but I know people who saw the Last Jewel and thought Ben Affleck was the most interesting thing in it. Actually, yeah, it was really they enjoyed him the most. I think he is better than people think he is. Yeah, I don't think he's a, as good as Matt Damon. I don't know if he's a exceptionally strong actor, but I do think Ben Affleck has more than people will give him credit for. I agree. 
And I, you know, he's a great British films like Argo and that. Yeah, yeah Argo's good, yeah. good, but he, his performance in it is actually is quite flat. Barely, yeah. It's all about the directing. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'm trying to think of what's I a never good. The town. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what, what's a great recent Ben Affleck performance that really. So I mean, I know some people really like The Accountant. Uh, oh yeah, I've not seen it, but I, I didn't hear great things. Mm. So Matt Damon, very much rated. Yeah. I understand that. But what do you guys think? Are there actors out there you think, oh, I wish this person was given their dues more? Yeah. Like, what, who who are we not looking at properly, and who who should be given more? Focus and given their own films and, and their own sort of like projects. From the way we spoke about it, there can be a one scene, one performance that just yeah. really you don't forget it. Like I'm not going to forget that actor because I will look out for them now and whatever mm. they do, and, and you're just waiting to see what they're doing next. Yeah. So yeah. let us know. Okay, George, I've got a new game for you. Okay. So a friend of mine called Jacob took the popular game Wordle. Yes. You must know Wordle. You like try and figure out the word by typing in letters and then it reveals itself to One you. One puzzle a day. One of. puzzle a day. And he's done a twist slash ripoff on that for movies. Okay. And the format is similar, but every day, obviously, the film changes. So you start with one clue and then you make a guess and then it will give you another clue. Okay. And then you make it and you have to guess the film before the time runs out. Okay. So this is today's film. I'm going to read you the first clue and you just have to guess. And then after you guess, it will give you the next clue and the next clue until we figure out what it is. Okay. And what's this, what's this called? This is called Movie Ball. So it is just Brilliant. a word or rip off. Okay. Um, so I'm going to leave a link to this game down below if you want to play. It's really good. If you love Wordle and you love films, this is for you. So the first clue is released in 2008. Uh, so you just, just guess any film. Suburbia, Body of Lies. Guess um, one. No, guess one. Oh, Oh, uh, 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 so we're going to put it in. How many characters am I allowed? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just guess. Uh, it's a body of lies. So it's the first 2008 film that came to my head. So that wasn't it. So a gross box office of 585.1 million. Hancock. Going to put in Hancock. Oh, no. I, no. Okay, I, hold on. Hold I know on. what it is. With the character Christine Everhart. Oh. Oh, hang on. Christine. That's a, uh, because I was gonna say. What were you gonna say? You thought you'd figured it out. I thought it was gonna be Dark Knight, because it's two thousand eight. Yeah, that would have got more. Christine Everhart. I don't know who Christine. That Everhart rings a bell is. though. Christine Everhart. Yeah. I'm just gonna reel off films that came out in two thousand eight. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Have you figured it out? Pineapple Express. Ooh. Ooh. Should we put it in? Yeah. Okay. That could have made five hundred eighty-five million. No, featuring Paul Bettany. What? What 2008 film, Paul Bettany? Um, there was a Paul Bettany. 2008. It's Margin Call 2008. No, that's 2011. I was going to say Match Point, but I think that's 2007. Oh, no, Wimbledon. He's not in Match Point, so that's the other tennis film. It's 2005. Yeah. Uh, 2008 film with Paul Bettany. Gross, 585.1 million with the character Christine Everhart. What did Paul Bettany do? Darwin. He did Darwin. I don't think it's that, though. Should we put it in? Christine Everhart. Is that, is that a real person? Maybe that's why I know the name. <laughs> I, could, that's the, I don't know why, Christine, but that's the only, oh, no, 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 that's that's the only Paul Bettany person, the, the film I can think of from 2008. Paul Bettany. Iron Man. Do you think it's Iron Man? He's the voice of... He's yeah. A, is, that the, is that... I know... Christine Everhart. Who's Christine Everhart? I don't know. Is it Iron Man? 
It's Iron Man. Hey! It's Iron Man. So there you go. I was staring at us the whole time. Yeah. That Paul Bettany is such a Who's red Christine herring. Who's Christine Everhart? Oh, so the rest of the clues we could have got, by the way, there would have been 10. Um, it's action, science fiction, and adventure. Also featuring Terrence Howard. I think that would have yeah, yeah, yeah. led us to it. Um, with the tagline, heroes aren't born, they're built. Yeah. Uh, directed by John Favreau, yeah, yeah. starring Robert Downey Jr. And then 10, after being held captive in an Afghan cave, billionaire engineer Tony Stark creates a unique weaponized suit of armor to fight evil. Is Christine Everhart... Is that a character name? I've got Christine Everhart. That really threw me. Really It threw made me. me feel like it was the name... Oh, she's like the blonde girl who Tony Stark sleeps with. As if she's I a journalist a... who works for Vanity Fair before being ployed as an anchor. So she's like, well, that's like a real niche, ma niche minor character that threw us. Because I know, think we could have got. In my head, I thought Christine Everhart was the name of the female character in Dodgeball. Yeah, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know why. No, it's Kate. It's like, it is over between us, Kate. <laughs> Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Uh, okay. There you go. Thank That's you. It. That was today's world. Also, yeah, I can't have spoiled it for you because this will have been recorded a few days before, but go download Movie Vault. Great one for just sitting around, waiting around for a tube. Go, go download it. I'll leave a link below. Iron Man. Great. So there you go, guys. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. Uh, don't forget we publish a new episode of this show every single Wednesday. Yeah, and uh, we, throughout the week, we also post plenty of other content, news, reviews, games, impressions, just, just lots of stuff happening, and you can catch it on our channels, TikTok, Instagram, as well as YouTube and Spotify. And give us likes and subscribes. Please do subscribe. Sub and, and give us subscribes. Give us subscribes. You know what I mean. We'll see you next week. Bye.